It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here with me on Tuesday. It's Talent Talk, so we are live, and we have a great guest uh, lined up for you today. Um, in case this is the first time you happen to be tuning into the show, welcome. And let me give you a little rundown on how the show works. Um, I have the privilege of meeting a lot of these uh, really cool and inspiring leaders all the time at conferences, events, uh, maybe just through LinkedIn, whatever it may be, um, kind of come across these cool people and uh, love to have a conversation with them and find out what makes them tick, what cool things they might be doing, what might be on their radar as far as challenges or opportunities within their organizations. And so this show is really designed to let you listen in on that conversation. Hopefully there's something you can pick up, something you might not have thought of, uh, maybe a good idea we might uh, throw out your way, and you might be able to go back into your own life, into, into your work, and use it down the road at some point. So Talent Talk is live uh, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, you can also, though, access us through uh, the way in which most of you kind of get us, which is through podcast. Um, and so we're on iTunes. Uh, you can find us there. You can hear us on iHeartRadio. Um, and so we'd love for you to go on there, subscribe, make sure you hear Pell to Pass shows. We average over about 10,000 of you coming in every day and downloading or listening to a podcast on one or more of those platforms Big thank you to everyone who comes in the show on a regular basis. Uh, we love your support. We love your questions, and that's why we keep going. If you have a question uh, for, for my guest today, I'd love for you to submit it via Twitter. You can go on there as soon as you think of something and type in that question and just add the at PeopleG2 on there and the hashtag Talent Talk. Uh, you can break it up into multiple tweets if the question's a little too long. But my producer, Mike, will be watching it intently. He'll be on the Twitter feed looking for questions and feeding it over to me if we get any today and uh, happy to, to push it in there. If you happen to be listening after the show's already been recorded, you can always send those questions, comments on Twitter there as well. And myself and uh, Mike and our, and our guest today will try to respond back to you there as well. So speaking of my guest today, uh, let me tell you a little bit about who we have on. We're going to have uh, Barbara uh, Martyr. Uh, she's the Global Innovation Leader at Mercer. I love that uh, title global innovation leader so let's invite barbara onto the show and find out what she's doing barbara welcome thank you great to be here so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and of course uh you know uh, about what you're doing over at your uh, your company mercer absolutely great to be here and i so i'm I current, my current role as an innovation leader is actually around commercializing innovation, but I'll tell you, tell you a little bit about that, um, that journey and 
where Mercer is with innovation. Um, so first of all, Mercer, for those, for those who don't know Mercer, um, we're one of the world's leading HR consulting firms. Uh, we operate all over the world in more than 50 countries, um, 21,000 employees, and we help most of the world's leading companies in the areas of health, wealth, and career. Really, any kind of human resource or workplace issue. Um, I actually started with Mercer about 30 years ago. I'm a real Mercer veteran. I started off as an actuary in Mercer's wealth business and have had a number of different roles, done a number of different things at the company, but um, definitely the the career pinnacle has been the last two years, a little, little more than two years now, in Mercer's Innovation Hub. The Innovation Hub is actually a, a, a place, and there's a number of different hubs, but the one that I'm part of is in um, Hoboken, New Jersey, so just outside of New York. And we have two teams that are dedicated full-time to innovation, and our goal is to really come up with disruptive, innovative ideas around work and the future of work and see if we can um, we can be the firm that brings a lot of these ideas to our clients um, instead of clients finding out about these ideas or seeing these ideas first from our competitors or other startup startup companies. Um, I know there's a saying in innovation, you need to disrupt yourself lest you be disrupted, and we want to make sure that we're doing the we're doing the disrupting. Well, that, that's uh, incredibly fascinating. So I'm sure most, at least half the people that tune in the show will know who Mercer is, being that we have a lot of HR listeners, certainly have a lot of business owners and C-level people as well. So I'm, I'm going to be confident most people know your know your organization um, and the great work that you do. But I, I love this sort of idea of the, of the hub and, the, and what you're working on. Um, maybe we can kind of roll into this. Maybe let's start a little bit with, um, you know, as you're global innovation leader, what is your specific role then kind of doing and what are you focusing on on a daily basis, you know, with as far as the things that are coming across your, your desk directly? Sure, sure. So we, my role is to actually lead an innovation team all the way from idea generation and ideation through to product development and incubation through to commercialization. So those are really the three distinct stages of innovation. Uh, and my team's idea has actually, we, we've done the ideation and we've done the incubation, and now we're squarely in the commercialization stage. And it's really been fun to, to see the entire innovation journey and now see what it really takes to commercialize innovation within you know within a large entity like Mercer um, so it's been it's really been fascinating to see all three stages of innovation and each one interestingly each one really requires in my view it really requires different skill sets and I think some members of my team have been better at one of one stage or the other it's not like I have a huge team or a small team we're about five five people uh, but it's been very interesting actually even to see within innovation and my, my team is great has been, has been great at innovation they all have different skill sets and are excelling at different parts of the innovation process and then in addition to um, the 
the product that we launched last year from the Innovation Hub, and happy to chat more about it. Um, it's called Mercer Match, but happy to try, chat more about it. I've also um, I've also been asked to try to commercialize another innovation that we launched last year called Mercer People Pro. Um, so right now, my focus is on commercializing those two products that we launched um, just about a year ago out of the Innovation Hub. Can you talk a little bit about so? Uh, you know, for people that don't maybe completely understand, you know, and I'll try to phrase this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But you guys are trying to take these these new ideas, these innovative approaches, and, and to go in there and figure out how they would work. Would they work? And and of course, you know, is this something you can actually leverage into a business model, into something you guys can sell or or make money on, or uh, disrupt the marketplace, or destroy your competitors, whatever that goal may be. And so as you're kind of going through that process, can you talk a little bit about how you or how your team deals with failure and mistakes? Because that would seem to be a really big part of the process. Um, you- it definitely is. Definitely. And, and I, I was looking just the other day for a presentation about innovation. I was looking at failure quotes. And, you know, they range from if you're not failing enough, you're not innovating. And, you know, failure is safe here. And so I think there, without question, and, you know, Mercer CEO will, will say this, you know, very clearly that we, we do have to realize that part of innovation is failing and it's just a healthy part of the process. What you want to do is you want to fail fast before you've spent lots of money, time and energy on an idea and then realize after all that's been spent that the idea actually will fail. So, so really, the failure is welcome in innovation. Failing fast is the goal. Um, learning from failure and then pivoting to something that is, you know, likely to to work is really the goal. And I think what's interesting is coming from a consulting background. Um, failure is not an option <laughs> in consulting. Um, we're all, you know, we're all A players, and our job is to bring great advice and be trusted advisors to our clients. Failure is not an option there. Um, so I think it is really, really interesting because, it, and one of the reasons that I think you do need to have a dedicated and separated innovation group is that. The goals, objectives, the key performance indicators, the measures of success during the innovation process are really quite different than than consulting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, it's interesting that you guys have taken that step to make it completely separate because, as you mentioned, being that consulting world, you know, your failure is not going to be an option. You need to have, need to have a successful solution for your clients. Um, so, kind of taking that model as you pulled people out and you out of that world and into this world, I imagine that you know mistakes come up a lot. And as far as we we thought this was the right thing, we thought this was where we were going to be headed. And you get farther enough down the road and you realize, oops, nope, this isn't going to work, or this isn't the right approach, or you know the market's not going to to handle this. So, how do you handle that in to, in a way to continue to allow people to to feel free to make those suggestions and to take those risks, even though obviously they're going to, they're going to make a lot of mistakes going on. You know, during that journey of of trying to innovate. Absolutely, and I think um, so. So one thing that I, I have tried to do as as a team leader is 
knowing that, as you said, we are 100% for sure going to be making mistakes. Uh, So one thing I do try to do is make sure that we always have a backup plan. So, and, and my team used to joke, I not only wanted a plan B, but I actually wanted a plan C and a plan D and maybe E and F as needed. Uh, but I always wanted to know that if plan A doesn't work, we're not going to lose too much time before we pivot to plan B and that we've actually already thought ahead that plan A may not work and that we've got plan B basically ready to go. Um, so, so I think that is one of the ways that you can make sure that mistakes aren't really slowing you down because, as you said, they, they definitely are inevitable. Um, I think we also spend a lot of time figuring out why those mistakes happened, what was it about the process that led to us making that mistake, and how do we make sure that we try to avoid doing that same exact mistake again? I mean, we'll make other mistakes after that, but let's not repeat Let's not repeat that one. We, we should be able to learn from that and move on with that with that knowledge. Right. So you're in this, you know, a bubble, maybe we could say, where you're allowed to, to take these risks, you're allowed to fail, you're allowed to make mistakes. Are there lessons that you think you and your team might take with you um, back to the company that don't, you know, around this idea of failing and mistakes that, you know, maybe people should be doing and should be thinking about in their regular work? when they're not, you know, being asked to be, to be innovative. Right. I mean, I think, I think we have to be careful because we certainly don't want, you know, our consultants experimenting with clients and, you know, having the, an unintended result. But I do think part of the idea of the Innovation Hub is that it's not a lifetime role. It's not a, you know, 10-year commitment. Your, the goal is to actually rotate people through the Innovation Hub, and then kind of like what you're suggesting, we actually want them to come back into our core businesses and bring that innovation knowledge, know-how, experience, innovation muscle with them to whatever job they're doing next. And and I do believe that there, it has changed the way I think about things, one of the most, I think, most powerful things that I've learned in innovation, and there's this great quote by Albert Einstein that if I had an hour to solve a problem, to, you know, come up with a new solution to something, I'd spend 55 minutes trying to be very, very clear about what the problem actually is and then spend five minutes on the solution. In consulting, it's all about the solution. Our clients are bringing us a problem, and we're solving it. But innovation training would tell you you need to spend a lot more time making sure you truly understand the problem, pain points, jobs to be done that they can't get done. Um, and I do think that's, that's just really interesting training as we approach any kind of problem, whether it's a client problem or an internal problem, um, and I actually, um, I actually run some design thinking innovation workshops, and I just ran one actually interestingly for an internal you know group at Mercer who's trying to come up with a new concept, and I think that was really interesting to them that they were already quick jumping to you know what the answer should be, and I kept trying to hold them back from jumping to the solution, 
and coming up with the ideas. I'm like, nope, nope, we're still, we're still defining the problem. Who's your end user? What are they trying to get done that they can't do? What's their pain point? Um, so it, it's very interesting, and I do think um, that kind of that, that knowledge, that experience will, will benefit us as these people land back in the business. Well, I uh, totally agree. And so now I guess kind of the natural question would be, if you're allowed to share with us, you know, maybe what, what are some of the types of innovations and things that you're starting to work on or develop or, or sure. tinker with inside of your, your bubble there? Sure. I know I'd be delighted to share with you the two, um, two that we launched last year. Um, the first one that was the one that my team launched was called Mercer Match. Um, and Mercer Match is actually powered by Pymetrics, a startup that we partner with. And we are using neuroscience games as a way to uncover traits and behaviors of job seekers and then match them to companies based on the company's own top performers. So basically, we're using neuroscience, we're using algorithms, we're using quantitative objective information to make better match employment matches, you know, basically at the core. And the reason that we use games is that it's fun. You know, the candidates enjoy playing the games. They enjoy finding out about themselves. Uh, and now that the employment market is, is really tightening up, low unemployment, companies really competing for top talent, having a fun and interesting and engaging way to attract the best talent is going to become more and more important. So, um, so that, that's been very fun. And the second product that we launched last year out of the Innovation Hub is called Mercer People Pro, and it's, it's an on-demand HR consulting platform uh, really targeted for small businesses. So Mercer clients are typically at the larger end of the spectrum. A number of companies, nonprofits, you know, come to Mercer and would love our advice, but um, can't really afford our cost structure, so they end up going to a boutique, some boutique firm. Now, Mercer, Mercer People Pros, who are Mercer alumni, retirees, stay-at-home moms, dads, Mercer, you know, Mercer ex-Mercer clients. Um, these are our pros, and now small businesses can come in and um, access our People Pros on demand by the hour by the project. So those are the two two products that we launched last year and are I'm commercializing now. And what was the name of the first one that you mentioned with the neuroscience games? Yep, Mercer Match, powered by Pymetrics. That sounds like that sounds really fascinating. Just with all the, the neuroscience stuff that's been going on, um, and to be able to maybe have your top performers go in there and play some games, and then try to use that as a matching. That just sounds. Uh, like like the next thing that, that that that's the kind of answer I was looking for out of a innovation uh, hub. So yeah, it's uh, really very exciting. Um, we're getting some really great signals, early signals on the efficacy and effectiveness of of the technology. Um, getting great satisfaction scores from candidates. Um, so we're we're really excited about about it, and um, we've actually we've we've launched in the U.S., Mexico, and Singapore, um, but actually we're um, we're talking to clients all around the world about it. It's been translated into I think 15 or 16 languages, and we're seeing some really really interesting results and lots of excitement. It's been great. 
Yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds like a neat one. I can't wait to, to maybe see that one day. Um, Absolutely. You can download the app um, from the Apple Store or Google Play oh. and try it, try it out yourself. And so what's the, what's the name of the app? The Mercer Match. It's in Mercer the, Match. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, everyone should go out and grab the app and uh, might be a good, good, good thing to take a look at since that might be coming to a job interview near you very soon. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about what happens in the process for you to maybe actually move it from an idea that's in development and you're considering it to maybe actually getting it to, okay, now we're actually going to do something. Um, now we're actually going to move it into um, commercialization or into that process where we're going to consider this is, you know, are we going to kill it or are we going to move it forward? What are some of those things that you're considering? Absolutely. And we have key performance indicators, KPIs uh, for each of our products that are, you know, signals of do we invest further, do we stay the course, do we, you know, start pivoting or, or think about, shutting it down. So, so for all of our new products or innovation, that's how we're always thinking about them. Um, because again, you, you're going to need time to get significant revenue numbers or profit. So the typical P&L measures aren't always going to work for these new products in the first, first couple of years, first few years. Um, so, you know, key performance indicators like traffic that we're seeing, um, number of meetings, number of proposals that are out there. So we have lots of different metrics that we're using to make sure that we're on the right track. But really a lot of it comes in in the earlier stages so that we're, we're not really creating and incubating something in a back room and then all of a sudden we're taking it out to the market. With you know, with with our innovation, we're doing kind of rapid development, rapid iteration, and our iteration comes from user feedback. So we're out there with minimum viable products, early prototypes, testing it real time in the market with users, getting that feedback, incorporating it, rolling out the next version. So, so our goal is that by the time we actually bring, you know, let's say a true version 1.0 or 2.0 to the market it's already been through a round of user testing and we know that there is interest and demand for it. Right. Right. Well, that's certainly important. Well, we're, we're chatting here with the global innovation leader at Mercer. We're going to go to our quick uh, commercial break here and then come back and finish up uh, with her uh, after this uh, very short commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? 
Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. We're here with uh, Barbara Martyr from uh, uh, Mercer, the global innovation leader. And we're just talking about all the great work she's doing over there in their innovation hub. And uh, one of the questions I want to make sure we asked you was, um, you know, you, you said you've been with the company for over 30 years, um, which is a, a long time to be with one company. And I'm certainly going to imagine that they value you and your talents if you've been there that long. So uh, what are some of the takeaways that you've had uh, at your company, uh, especially from the from the standpoint of leadership over that time, absolutely, and and certainly I've seen a, a number of of leaders, senior leaders at Mercer. I've seen, you know, I've had so many different supervisors, bosses, mentors um, that I've had the opportunity to, you know, kind of figure out what kind of leader I want to be as I, you know, look at different people and, and learn from them. Um, so and so, I guess in terms of my my leadership style, I'm I'm definitely more of a collaborative leader. I've actually it's interesting. I, I've definitely had P and L responsibility at Mercer, but um, I seem to gravitate to and and being asked to do roles where I need to really influence without having direct authority. So it's really more about relationship building, um, having your team buy into the strategy that you're laying out, the goals that you're setting, where we're headed. And and that's been really interesting because I, I've only had – I've really only had a few roles where I was really able to tell someone to do something and they, they kind of had to do it. Um, most of my roles I'm – really trying to get people on board with what I'm trying to do and um, help them share my vision. And, and I actually believe that, you know, if, if all P&L leaders would think that way as well, I think they'd have a lot, you know, they, do, they would definitely always have buy-in for what, for what they're trying to do. Um, but I've certainly had great role models at Mercer, both from a pure people management perspective from a business leadership perspective, and I really tried to take what I liked from, you know, a lot of different people and, and combine it into my own leadership style. Well, it, certainly if you're able to be successful in a, a kind of collaborative role where you don't necessarily have that direct, um, you must do what I say because I say so role, and you're being successful, it, it makes a lot of sense that you were recognized this year by Mercer um, as being a top consultant and ultimately chosen by Consulting Magazine as a top 25 consultant. So congratulations on that. What, what do you feel are some of your intangibles that you bring as a consultant, you know, or maybe said in a way, what, what, what makes you so good? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, I, I'm, I'm blushing. But... You know, I, I think it's really interesting. The, the, the award that I got for, um, from Consulting Magazine as a top 25 consultant, it was actually for excellence in technology. And that was really exciting for Mercer because we've had a number of um, top 25 consultants over the, over the years. But I'm the first one to get the award for, specifically for excellence in technology. And I think it really, um, I'll take it away from myself for the moment, um, I do think really it goes to 
um, Mercer really being very proactive about innovation, coming up with new technologies. You know, really, I, I think I'm benefiting from having a very forward-thinking firm that's, you know, taken taken the, the trouble to set up the innovation hub and supporting it. So I, I think that that actually was the, really the main reason that um, that I was selected, and especially for excellence in technology. Uh, but I'll, I'll also, I'll, I'll, I'll be fair to myself, and um, I, I think what, What's been really interesting for me is that I've um, I have definitely not had the typical vertical path to being a senior partner or being a senior member of the firm. Um, I've had at least five different careers at Mercer, meaning that I've made many different lateral moves. Um, I've made decisions to step back, step sideways. Um, and then step up as the opportunities presented themselves and really just gain a lot of different expertise and experience in all of the different businesses at Mercer, doing many different things from you know being an actuary, being a uh, more of an individual contributor, consultant, trusted advisor, to running businesses that had P&Ls, to running lots of other projects and, and, and initiatives that didn't you know that were more intangible, um, but always trying to do the best that I can, and know that if I do a good job in whatever this is, the next opportunity will definitely come. And I've been very proactive about taking those opportunities, raising my hand, saying you know I, I'm I'm open to them, and then I, again I come back to Mercer for being the kind of firm that um, not only offered me the opportunities but really encouraged me to take them and, you know, did, did whatever they could to make sure that I felt comfortable stepping into a new role or doing something different. So I, I really think that's, um, that's it. I mean, I always loved consulting, loved being with clients, loved business development. That's clearly a part of consulting. But I think at the end of the day, it's really been this very varied career that I've had at Mercer that's allowed me to be where I am today. Well, given all that you've done and the different um, kind of things you've accomplished uh, and the different uh, sort of focuses that you, you kind of mentioned that you've gone through, uh, where do you see, you know, the future of HR? Where do you see us going? And, you know, is it uh, is it kind of uh, maybe a little bit of the same? Or do you think there are different areas or different places that we might uh, kind of take that HR focus for companies? I think it's such an important question. And one of the one of the side <laughs> the side jobs of being part of the Innovation Hub is that we often run what we call future of work workshops for HR leadership teams. Um, so they're really called innovation workshops, and we talk about the Innovation Hub's view of the future of work, um, and importantly, HR's role in that. And I would say it is definitely on most of our clients' minds. I think. People in HR realize that they can't be complacent, that the, really the entire role, function, industry is, is changing. So I think there's clear recognition there. It's really interesting because one of the things that I do as part of these sessions is I ask the HR teams, you know, what, what about HR do you think will be obsolete? And, and one of the points I make is 
how quickly now things become obsolete, that, you know, it used to take so long for things to just completely go away, and now, you know, within two years, something can come and, and be gone. Um, and we talk, we talk about things like, you know, open enrollment, for example. You know, will, will there be, will, will employees accept the fact that there will be things they can literally only do once a year when everything else they do in their daily, you know, in their daily interactions can basically be changed immediately on demand. So I, I do think the employees will demand that work feel and act like what they experience outside of work. Um, so I think it's going to challenge technology, HR technologies and systems, interactions. So I, I, I think that's a big, you know, that's a big piece of it. Um, but interestingly, as I was asking things like open enrollment, how about retirement? Will, will retirement continue to be an event or just basically people phasing in and out of work? One day they're full-time, maybe they go part-time, maybe they go flex, maybe they become a freelancer. You know, I think retirement's another great example of, of what will change. But what was so interesting is one of the CHROs actually looked at his leadership team and said, you know, actually all of you could be obsolete in, in a few years. Um, and, of course, they were a little shocked and surprised by that comment, but, uh, but they really took, sort of took, took note that, and what, what he was saying is, the HR role is going to have to become more and more strategic because all of the tactical compliance, um, things like, will become self-service. Um, and you think about the, the rise of, for example, like HR, artificial intelligent chatbots. Uh, Mercer's actually developing one as well. You know, what that could replace many HR professionals who are basically answering questions about vacation days or, or maternity leave or payroll or things like that. So you can see how so much of what is transactional, tactical, compliance-driven today will just become self-service and automated freeing up, actually, on the positive side, freeing up HR to be much more strategic and really be doing the things that require the human touch and people intervention. So, you know, thinking about mentoring, engagement, you know, things where that personal touch really becomes so important. So, I mean, I, I think the entire... HR kind of function and role will change drastically um, over the next few years. Yeah, there really is a lot to, for there to go, and I think people need to take your um, kind of your path and know that they need to be looking and be open to new, new opportunities and to evolve and change as their career goes on, and that probably staying stagnant, especially in HR, could really be a, be an issue as the things do become, as you said, more strategic um, and other things become sort of automated. It's funny that you mentioned the, um, you know, open enrollment. I, I, I have been asking this question for like 15 years, it feels like. It's like why is there only one time you're allowed to, to do this? It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Can't you just come in when you want to come in? I mean, wouldn't that be easier to, to bring people in a little bit at a time? And anyways, instead of this big giant event, it just seems silly. I, I know one of your interests is gamification. Can you talk a little bit about what that is for you and, and Mercer and, you know, maybe what you guys are doing um, to really help in, in the area of training or development to, to, in using that term. Sure, absolutely. Um, we're, we're, we're very passionate.
passionate about the idea of games and gamification at work. And, you know, I think a great example of that is that the Mercer Match powered by Pymetrics uses games, neuroscience games in this case, as um, part of the data collection. Uh, And I think games, as I was saying before, uh, one of the great things about games, especially for the millennial generation and now the Gen Z generation, uh, first of all, they've grown up with games. So they're very comfortable with games. They enjoy the competition piece of it. So um, so I think it's, it's very natural, very comfortable. We think um, people will, you know, this, these generations will settle into games. Um, but it's also, as you think about the decreasing attention span, so, so when I do presentations, um, one of the stats I point out is that the attention span of the Gen Z group is about eight seconds, and the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So goldfish, <laughs> goldfish has the Gen Z group beat by about one second. Um, but what does that really mean for communicating, engaging, training this generation of employees? Very, very short attention span. They're not going to do 30-minute long, 90-minute long training sessions. They need things to be broken up into into bite-sized pieces. They want to be entertained. So we're big proponents of games and gamification at work and in as many areas as possible. So, I mean, definitely passionate about it for recruiting. Um, there's great recruitment, other recruitment games out there that are just more fun, not, not for assessment like we're using Mercer Match, but um, games for just to, to, to describe and have somebody feel what the employer brand is, what the employer value proposition is. Games, absolutely games for training. And, you know, interestingly, the training games really started in the military, in the U.S. military and in healthcare um, as simulation training where you really couldn't train people live on those things. It was just too dangerous. Um, so putting the training in a simulation and in, in a simulation game type environment is really how all of the, the game-based training started. Um, but but so I think there's just a lot of exciting uses for games at work, and I do think companies that embrace that kind of technology will start to see better results than companies who are lagging that trend. I, I feel that that confident and passionate about about games. Absolutely. And games are just like you said, they're more fun. So why not do a game instead of filling out a form or do a game instead of doing a personality assessment or, you know, do a game as a way to learn or to make yourself uh, focus better or to react better or be more emotionally intuitive, whatever it may be is games are a great way to do that. I want to make sure we have time here. We're almost out of time to ask you one of our favorite questions, which is, uh, what are you reading right now? (laughs) I'm actually reading. I, I'm so glad that it's today because I started a new book recently. It's I, I, I'm pretty sure it's called All the Light I Cannot See or You Cannot See. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, I try to choose those Pulitzer Prize winners because I know uh, I know I'm going to get something that's very well written and and fascinating. 
Um, it, it's actually, it, it is very interesting, and it, it's um, it's kind of set in in war times, and I'm just about maybe a fifth of the way through, but it's it's getting pretty exciting, and the family had to leave their home, and the daughter actually is, is blind and can't see, and, sh- and they're having to move around to stay safe, and um, I'm sure it's going to be fascinating as I go <laughs> as I go forward. Well, it sounds like a uh, great uh, book to check out, and uh, I think that's a really good um, advice you have on checking out books that have that particular designation. You might know you're going to get a you know, unique book or one that um, might be enjoyable to read. So there's a lot of books out there, and it's sometimes, it's, uh, sometimes it's a lot like uh, buying wine. You're not really sure which one to get. Um, and when you get a good one, it's great, but when you get a bad one, it's, it's a waste of time. Um, yeah, you know, for you've, sure. you, you've mentioned a lot of great stuff here today. If somebody only remembered one of the great things that you talked about today, what's maybe that one thing they should have taken away or, or, or heard uh, from our conversation? Well, assuming that you're the you know the listeners are thinking um, are coming from more of a business perspective, I would definitely focus on having an innovation mindset to whatever it is that they're doing, and I think that would include um, focusing more on the problem versus the solution. Um, and actually really thinking very broadly about how to solve that problem. Because um, I, I do think we, we, you know, a lot of us get pretty pretty focused on jumping to quick solutions and stay close to what we've always done. But I do think the um, kind of the industry and where it's headed, the HR industry and where it's headed, really demands um, making sure people understand everything new and different that's out there and seeing if any of that could um, be part of the solution that, that they're bringing. Well, how can people uh, find out more about Mercer or about you if they're interested in, in learning more? Absolutely. Um, so the Mercer website is mercer.com. So happy for people to, to go to mercer.com. Um, there's also mercerpeoplepro.com. There's mercermatch.com. Um, and if they want to get a hold of me, um, my Twitter is at BarbaraMartyr1 um, or Barbara.Martyr at Mercer.com. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for joining me here today and providing uh, all our, our listeners such uh, valuable information. And I uh, really loved all the great things you talked about. Hopefully, we can have you come back at some point, give us an update on all the new and sure. cool things that you're working on. And uh, you know, just thank you. Great. Happy to be here. Well, Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show today. Hopefully you gained something that you can use in your own career. Um, Next week, I will not be on the air for the very small reason that is the 4th of July. So we'll be off uh, maybe having a beer and watching some fireworks. But we'll be back on July 11th, and my guest then will be Michael Ellers, the Executive Vice President of uh, Biogen Pharmaceuticals, uh, and the author and speaker, uh, John Livesay. I was on his uh, podcast the other day. He's a great guy, so we'll have both of them on. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.